Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I'm Dr. Shantae, your host, and this is the podcast that's all about faith and wellness, giving you the tools and the resources to love God, live well, so that you can live a whole and complete life. And so if you are joining me for this episode, you are coming into part two of the Temptation series. And so for those of you who are new to this podcast, this is a series-based podcast. And so if you come in the middle of a series, then I encourage you to go back and listen to the first part of the series so that we can connect all the dots. So we take one issue and we do a deep dive and we usually end with some psychological perspectives from guests in the psychological community. So we are right in the middle of that sandwich and we are talking about temptation during this series. And so our guiding thought for our last episode was James 1 12 through 16 and so we're going to stay in that text and it says blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial so steadfast means committed for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him let no one say when he is tempted I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one but each person when he is tempted he is lured and enticed by his own desires Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. As I said in the last episode, I love it every time the Bible says, do not be deceived, because basically I read that as, don't get it twisted. (laughs) So what are we focusing on in today's episode? In today's episode, we are going to be looking at three things, blaming God, trusting God, and the peace of God. So let's get right into it. Oh, actually, before we get right into it. Thank you so much for those of you that share this podcast, for those of you that post it on your social media. I will say this almost every episode. There is no algorithm between your fingers and your friends. There's no algorithm between your fingers and what you choose to, do, to post on social media. So however you're getting this content, if you can share that with people that you believe can benefit from it, that is what will help the podcast grow. And for those of you that have left reviews, I love you. Thank you very much because I am one of those people. I cannot spend $10 on Amazon unless I have read 30 reviews. And I think right now the podcast has about 37 reviews, but we have well over like six, 7,000 downloads for a relatively new podcast. And so where this puts the podcast in terms of like the grand scheme of podcasts, because Oh my goodness, there's close to like a million podcasts out there in the podcasting space right now. No joke, it's close to a million. And if your episode or your episodes are hitting north of 1,100 downloads in the first 30 days, that puts you in the top 20% of all podcasts, period. And so you guys, for that first series, the cancer series, that episode got to like, 1065. So not the top 20%, but pretty darn close, which when you think of like a million podcasts and to be even in a fraction of that space, that's pretty friggin' amazing. And that is 100% because of your efforts. And so if you have some free time on your hands, which I know you do, because we don't have any place to go, can you please run over to iTunes, not iTunes, they don't even call it that anymore, Apple Podcasts, and leave a review so that other people can be drawn to this resource. I'm trying to, I, I think I mentioned this in the very, very first episode of this entire series, that it is my life goal to positively impact the lives of a million people. And we can do that together. I cannot do it without you. Now, getting back to the matter at hand, 
blaming God, trusting God, peace of God. So let's get right into it. So let's go to that part of our guiding text, which says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So in our last episode, we spent a lot of time on the root of temptation. And I wanted to make sure that we did not gloss over this particular part. So when we succumb to temptation, you know, when we acquiesce, when we say yes, In order to deflect some of the guilt or the shame that we feel, we will find another outlet. And sometimes that outlet is God. We say things like, well, if God didn't want me to do A, B, and C, then he wouldn't have allowed X, Y, and Z, or he would have allowed X, Y, and Z. So if God didn't want me to do this, then he would have allowed that. In other words, which is pretty, you got some cojones to say something like that about the way that God should be doing and operating. We don't even have time to get into like the sovereignty of God in this episode, but we say things like that, you know, in our, in our shame and our guilt, we say, you know, well, if God didn't want me to have this, then this other thing wouldn't happen. Like this is not an ideal situation, but given the circumstances, Hey, this is, these are the cards I've been dealt. And I I get that. I completely understand that. And so in order for us to tease that out okay in order to tease out kind of like the the dangers of that we need to take a hard look at faith and so we're going to roll ourselves over to hebrews chapter 11 verses 6 and 7 which says and many of you if you're believers you studied the bible this is going to be very familiar to you and it says and without faith it is impossible to please god because anyone who approaches him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Some versions say those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in godly fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So in our last episode, we talked about how God will allow your faith to be tested, but he will not tempt you to do something that will pull you further away from him. And I think that one of the best ways to understand this is to highlight the function of faith. So this scripture says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The entirety of our Christian belief system rest on an act of faith. Like if you are calling yourself a believer, then that means that you have followed the prescriptive steps in order to facilitate that process, which are the Bible says that we must not only believe in our hearts, but we must openly confess. So believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what it says. And so without that, unless we've done that, that act of faith, we cannot call ourselves Christians. Okay. So you with me? Okay. So if the Bible says, if Hebrew says for without faith, it is impossible to please God. And what is the ultimate goal of a Christian, of a disciple of Christ to be pleasing to God, right? You know, we want, we want to be cool. We want to be in harmony. We want to be in alignment. We want to to have his very best and we want to do our very best and we want to live out our calling and all those good things, right? But we cannot do that without faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is what it says word for word. So the greater our faith is, the more God is pleased. But here's the hitch. You cannot increase your faith with hopes and wishes. You cannot increase your faith with dreams and goals and vision boards and beliefs. And many people confuse faith and belief. Belief is not faith. Belief means that you have placed your confidence in something or someone. Faith 
requires an action that demonstrates that confidence. Belief is a product of the mind and faith is a product of the spirit and faith cannot be exercised without something that requires its activation. So I'm going to repeat that whole thing. Okay. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the cheap seats. Belief is not faith. Belief means to place your confidence in something or someone. Meaning I believe you're going to bring me this Popeye's if I give you this money, (laughs) you know, like to place your confidence in faith. On the other hand, requires an action that demonstrates that confidence. In other words, when I give you this money, I'm trusting that you're going to bring back my Popeye's. So belief is a product of the mind, but faith is a product of the spirit. So it's an, an action and faith cannot be exercised without something that requires its activation. And what is that activation? The triple T, tests, trials, and temptations, okay? So tests, trials, and temptations. So I was born in, oh, I'm about to give my age. Okay, let's just say the late 70s, okay? Let's, Let's put a pin there. And, you know, when I was growing up in the 80s, we had something called curl activator. I begged and begged my mama for a Jerry curl. I mean, I begged and she was like, no, she was, she would not let me have a curl. All my cousins had curls and I was so jealous, but no matter how much I begged and pleaded, she was not about that curl activation life. But when you had a Jerry curl, you had to have some activator. If you did not have that activator, if you didn't have that soul glow, your curls was going to be dry and nappy, just like today, when you try to go natural, you know that that moisture is what facilitates those curls. It's what activates those curls. The curls be popping, the coils be popping. So the hair back in the eighties, just like now, it needed something to produce that desired effect. Faith requires something to produce the desired effect. And more times than not, the activator comes in the form of a test a trial or a temptation. So this scripture here, Hebrews eleven six. but let's take a closer look at eleven seven. It says by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in other words, when warned about the rain and the flood that was to come in godly fear. Okay. Meaning in godly fear, not like, Ooh, I'm afraid of him, but like out of respect and reverence for God, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. In other words, when you become an heir of something, that means that you inherit something from someone or something. And so Noah became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. And so Noah believed God, but it wasn't enough to believe God. The faith, his spirit had to produce, it had to activate and be put into motion. And that putting into motion was the building of an ark. And what was the test and the trial and the temptation? Because people were like, rain, schmain, flood, schmud, fool, you crazy, you were drunk. Ain't nobody had no rain around here, you dumb. So he faced a ton of opposition. And in the midst of that, trusted God. And as a result, He became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. In other words, not only was he saved, but he was saved in a way that can only be produced through faith in God. So right now we are in the midst of a trial. This global pandemic has created so many problems for the world. The federal government and and several states have just shown such little 
regard for human lives, opening up businesses so that they can get people's money or draw people out into certain places so that they can be the guinea pigs and see what happens at the cost of their health. And this trial that we're in right now has presented some options and it has presented some opportunities. You know, money is on the table. So I'm gonna just, you know, I, I don't pull any punches in this podcast. So I'm gonna just keep it 100. You know, stimulus checks are going out. And we've seen news reports that there have been some, some gaps, some loopholes, uh, some errors made by the government. People are getting more money than what they're entitled to get. Or some people who are not even supposed to get money, money is dropping into their laps. And many people have given into the temptation to take advantage of that, you know, keeping money that was intended for other purposes or people that have other needs. And this is when you start to hear, well, if God didn't want me to have that money, <laughs> And I feel that I, I, I understand that. And this is where you have to be honest with yourself. Do you really believe that the answer to your money problems is a government loophole that allows you to get extra money by mistake that allows you to get money that would be otherwise intended for someone who's in a significantly less fortunate position than you? Do you really think that compromising your convictions is the way to end loneliness? Because I was one of those people that on Saturday night was all hyped up for the Teddy Riley baby face versus matchup. And we all know how that, <laughs> we all know how that went. Bless their hearts. You know, it didn't quite go as planned. And so a lot of people was like, dang, you know, that was what, that was the marquee event for their Saturday night. And so sometimes when you have your hopes so built up into something and then it doesn't pan out the way that you think it's going to, then what happens is you start looking for other things to occupy your time. You start looking for other people to occupy your time. And sometimes that boredom or that loneliness can lead you down to some things on your phone, some pages on your phone, some sliding up into the, the DMs and, and all that type of thing. And sometimes those places can lead you to a place of compromise, to having conversations that you didn't think you were going to be having that night, to doing, being asked to do things that you didn't think you were going to be asked to do that night. And so if you give into that, do you think that that is the way to end your loneliness? And that's a choice that only you can make, but the Holy Spirit will guide and convict us and will let you know. So anytime you do something that is contrary to what God's will is for your life or contrary to the way that the word of God would have you to handle that situation, if you are a believer, you will know it sooner rather than later. That feeling of conviction that grabs your heart, that feeling, that voice in your head that's like, mm -mm, now you know, you already know. That is the, the working of the Holy Spirit. So that will guide us and convict us if we're not making the decision that God would be pleased with. But I just want us to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of blaming God for things that we've been harboring in the darker corners of our own heart, which leads us to trusting God. So back in Genesis chapter 39, we're talking about Joseph. We talked about Joseph's story last week. And so we're going to carry that over into this week. And picking up at verse 19, it says that Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So to roll the tape back, Potiphar's wife had lied on Joseph. She kept coming for him and coming for him and coming for him. And he kept refusing her. And it got to the point where he had to run up out of his robe. And so she kept the robe and said, oh, he tried to rape me. And so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. 
But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So let's look at this on the surface, right? Let's look at this from a non-believer's point of view, right? On the surface, if you are a person that is on the outside looking in, it seems like poor Joseph is just doomed to fail. Like the brother just can't catch a break. He was hated on by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. His father thinks he's dead. He gets a job in Potiphar's house and then he catches a case because of Potiphar's wife lying on him and now he's in jail. He did the right thing. He refused the temptation. He endured the the temptation. And where did it land him? It landed him in jail. And I know many of us have been in that same place. We did the right thing. We gave the money back or we ended the relationship. We quit that job. We obeyed God and we did what we were supposed to do. And where did it get us, right? Where did it get us? And so some of us have found ourselves still in the hole, still heartbroken, still unemployed. And from the outside looking in, we look like some chumps, (laughs) you know, from the outside looking in, Joseph looks like God is, is just not with him, that nothing that he touches, nothing that he does is working out for the long term. But the key phrase in this scripture was, but the Lord was with him. Joseph. Joseph had no idea what God was up to. From his perspective, the way he saw it, it was just one bad break after another, a series of unfortunate events. He was stuck in a land that did not believe in the same God that he believed in. So in Egypt, they did not believe in God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph's father, Jacob. So I could easily see the Egyptians looking at him like, trust God. Yo, God, nah, man, nah, fam, I'm I'm straight on that, you know, but every calamity that Joseph experienced was ordained by God. It was ordered by God. It was allowed by God. And so God knew that down the road, years down the road, that a famine was coming to Egypt. He knew that the Hebrews would be at the mercy of the Egyptians. And he knew that Joseph was the one that he had chosen to lead them through that famine. And so likewise, you have no idea what God is up to. Joseph was not ready for leadership. Joseph was not ready to be the second in command in Egypt when he was 17 years old and thrown into that pit and sold by his brothers. But every stage of his journey in Egypt, whether it was slavery or prison, Joseph was put in a position of leadership. He was put in a position to learn the culture, to learn the language, to learn the people, to learn the politics and everything he did, every place he went, he shined, he prospered, he survived. Now, did Joseph have some other options? Yes, he could have tried to run. He could have served Egyptian gods and be like, you know, the God of my fathers, this ain't what's happening. So I'm gonna go ahead and serve some of these Egyptian gods. Joseph could have become a shady politician. He had so many other options, but he chose to trust God. I'm sure the temptation to go another route, especially as a young man. Keep in mind, he was 17 when he got sold into slavery. Think about your mindset as a 17-year-old, as a 19-year-old, as a 21-year-old. 
The Bible says he was sent to prison and there he remained. In other words, he did a bid. So it's not like, you know, he was thrown in there overnight. Give him some time to think about his actions. No, Joseph was down there for a minute. Okay. And so in that scenario, when things are just looking so dismal and you're at a point of despair, it's very easy to want to go another route to just take matters into your own hands. And so it's very admirable that at this young age, he chose to trust God because there's a lot of us at a much older age and we still struggle to trust God. So as I said, you have no idea. Okay. You have no idea what God is up to. You have no idea what he's preparing you for. I truly believe that God is preparing us for something. Since this pandemic started, I've seen so many stories. People are learning to bake and to sew and to draw and to speak other languages, to better their physical health and improve their diet, to do their, uh, to do their own crochet braids. I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do. The beauty salon is closed. In a lot of places, you know, they're taking online dance classes. They're learning to write manuscripts or how to pitch their ideas or develop a brand. They're reading more books, things that they normally would have never had the time or the inclination to do if it was business as usual. Embedded within every single crisis is an opportunity. And the key to coming out of this, the key for us to come out of this without succumbing to temptation is to take a step back and see what is that opportunity to stop playing checkers, to stop making quick moves and start looking at the bigger picture. Now, having said that, I'm not saying I don't want you to do what you have to do to feed yourself and feed your family and survive. But what I am saying is that God's will for our lives was never to just survive it, to just make it, to just get by. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full and have it more abundantly. So God wants us to thrive and your faith, our faith is being tested in unprecedented ways right now. And I'm telling you, you have more control over the outcome than you realize by how you choose to approach the options and the opportunities that are in front of you. So don't just think about the next move. You need to be thinking about the next six moves. And I can tell you from experience that it is very tempting to let our anxiety and our impatience and our depression and our longing to just win, to just give in, to just take that low hanging fruit and get some peace, if only for a moment. But I can also tell you from experience that it never lasts and it always costs more than you want it to pay, which brings us to the peace of God. So fast forward a few chapters. I think it's like Genesis 41, 42 verses 41 says, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride at a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Verse 44. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphonath Paneah and gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out of Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. So Joseph was 17 when his brother sold him into slavery. And 13 years later, he is the second in command in Egypt. 
and Joseph lived to be 110 years old. So I want to put a pin there. Okay. And I want to go over to Joel. So the book of Joel, I know a lot of y'all like Joel, who was Joel? Joel, Joe, <laughs> J O E E. J-O-E-L chapter one and chapter two. So Joel chapter one, verse four says, what the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, the other locusts have eaten. And then Joel 2, 25 through 27 says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army, which I send among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. So at this time, as Joel is writing this, the children of Israel have been through it, just like we're going through it right now. Their crops have been eaten up. Their jobs have dried up. Their money has, has gone. Their economy has been devastated. Their lives have been devastated. Okay, so that's what's happening in Joel chapter one. But in chapter two, God makes a promise. He says, I will restore to you those years that the swarming locust has eaten. And so if you think about the times that we're in right now, crops are being thrown out. I've read articles that says gallons, hundreds of thousands of gallons of milk are just being thrown out. Uh, eggs are being thrown out. People in the meat packing plants have COVID. So now you have to look at the meat that you buy at the grocery store and say, is this really okay? Has it been tainted? Has it been compromised? Jobs have been lost. Oil has dropped down to less than a dollar. I filled up my tank the other day for less than 20 bucks. You know, restaurants are shutting down. Graduations are canceled. Uh, many colleges are in danger of not being able to reopen in the fall. In other words, the locusts have come. Okay, the locusts have come and eaten away all of our abundance, our freedom, our entire way of life. The crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the young locusts, the old locusts, and all the locusts in between have just come and, con and consumed us and devastated our way of life. But capital B, God will restore those years. Whenever God's people turn their backs on him, he's going to respond. Okay, so we are not the first generation to experience the heavy hand of God's power. And we are not going to be the last generation to experience the abundance of his mercy. We are going to come out of this. God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten away. But how we come out of it depends on how we respond while we are in it. And I want to encourage you while you're in it, not to give in to temptation, to do those things that are going to pull you further away from God in the long run. So that is it for part two. In the next episode in the series, we're going to talk about managing our anxiety. So how do we hold on in the midst of calamity? How do we manage our anxiety when the news cycle just keeps getting heavier and darker and our government is showing greater disregard for human life? So how do we manage all of that? Because after a while, it will begin to take a psychic toll on you. After a while, it just, it, it wears you down and it grinds your gears. So I will have a guest from our psychological community to help us unpack that. And if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, hit me up at Dr. Shante Says. Many of you have hit me up in my DMs on Instagram, um, on Twitter, and I appreciate you. And again, there's no algorithm between your fingers 
and your friends. And so if you would just kindly share this, or if you would kindly go and write a review, I would greatly, greatly appreciate you. And I will see you next time.